Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 to 16. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Well, uh, good, everyone can hear me. Uh, good morning and uh, thank you to Johnny and the music group and for Martin for leading us uh, so well this morning. On the uh, 20th of August, 1973, uh, me and my 11-year-old brother, Robert, were taken by my dad to see Rangers, Glasgow Rangers, that is the only true Rangers, I have to say, <laughs> versus Arsenal. It was Rangers' centenary year. They'd been in existence for 100 years. And I, along with my brother and my dad and some of his friends, went to a game uh, where there were 60,000 spectators. Unfortunately, Rangers lost that match. We lost 2-1. Now, the only thing I really remember about that game, and uh, some of you older chaps, you will know this player, Alan Ball, who used to play for Arsenal. He actually, during the match, he actually sat down on the ball during the actual game. And he was greeted with a torrent of kind words from 60,000 Rangers fans. <laughs> Now, when my dad arrived home later on that evening, 
my mum asked him a very simple question. She said to him, have you forgotten anything? And he said, I don't think so. And then she basically told him to get a taxi and send it to the local police station at Ibrooks to pick up two young boys who had been found wandering the streets after the match. <laughs> now, I think my mum was more upset, not so much by the fact that we got lost or we got separated, but really by the fact that for a, for a short time anyway, my dad didn't even remember. It was as if we were forgotten. <laughs> it was as if, as if we didn't exist. Now, it didn't really bother me and my brother. For us, it was just one big adventure, and we had a great, we had a great evening. <laughs> now, this morning, as we're, we're basically continuing in our uh, series in the book of Deuteronomy, and this book really is all about the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience and about the relationship that God has with his people. You see, everything depends on obedience in this book. Life itself, possession of the promised land, victory over their foes, prosperity and happiness. The book was written by Moses and it really uh, contains his farewell addresses to his people as they are about, as they are about to enter the promised land. The actual meaning of the word Deuteronomy actually means repetition of the law. So this is something that the people would have heard before throughout this, uh, this book and throughout the encounters and the, uh, and the times that Moses has addressed the people. So Moses was now about 120 years old as he spoke to this generation of God's people a people that he brought out of Egypt and led in the desert for the last 40 years. And he wants to remind them right at the outset, as they're about to enter the promised land, of the importance of following God's commands. We see that in verse 1, don't we? Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your fathers. Now, how were the people going to do this? Moses wants to remind the people of how the Lord dealt with them in the past as they looked towards the future so that they might live in the promised land. One of my favorite historical characters is Winston Churchill. And he said these words, those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Moses wanted this generation not to repeat the mistakes of their parents. 40 years ago, more or less to the day, as previously recorded in Numbers chapters 13 and 14, the Lord God sent out 12 spies to the land of Canaan, the promised land, to explore the land. And the people there were to come back and tell Moses and the people of God everything about the land. Now, when they came back, those 12 spies who were there for 40 days, only two of them basically said, let's go in and take the land. The Lord will give it to us. And that was Joshua and Caleb. The other 10 spies only saw the size of the people that lived there 
and their fortified cities, and they basically did not trust God to deliver on his promise. They had a lack of faith in God. And this led to the whole community grumbling. And at one point they all said, let's go back to Egypt. They were so angry. And this made God himself very angry with that generation. The parents of the people that Moses is speaking to today. And this is what he said. This was his judgment on them. In this desert your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb and Joshua. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land that you rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. And the writer of the psalmist in Psalm 95 reflects the unbelief of God's people as he recalls this incident. We read these words in Psalm 95. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did on that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did for them for 40 years. I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger that they shall never inherit my rest. Moses encourages this generation to learn the lessons of the wilderness so that they don't make the same mistakes their parents did. And they are to do this by remembering. Memory is such a powerful thing, isn't it? And we're going to spend a little bit of time in this passage looking at what God and Moses told them to remember. Now really, I'm going to be concentrating mainly on the, the first section there, verses 2 to 5. So what does Moses ask them to remember? First of all, he asked them to remember how God led you. You see, God did not abandon his people in the desert even though disobedience kept the whole generation out of the promised land. He led them all the way. Did you notice that? That God led them in the wilderness. They were not just wandering for 40 years, they were being led by God. Now this must have been a great comfort to the people of God. And it reminded them of God's great love and faithfulness to them, despite their constant unbelief and grumbling on their part. My friend, God's commitment to his people, to you, is based on his love, not on your obedience to him. Dave reminded us of this last Sunday, did he not? When in chapter 7 we read these words, that the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples, 
for you were the lowest, the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to thousands of generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So Moses wanted the people to remember that it was God that led them through the wilderness and he didn't abandon them. The second thing he wants to remember is how God tested them. Moses wants the people to not just remember the actual physical journey in the wilderness, he wants them to remember how God dealt with them through the experiences that they faced in the last 40 years. Now, 40 years is a long time. It really is, have you ever thought about that? 40 years in the desert is a long time. Can you imagine how it must have been for the families of that generation to sit down at mealtimes as a family, the young men, the young women, knowing that they would have to wait 40 years in the wilderness before they entered the promised land, knowing that they were there because of the unbelief of their parents. And if you were one of that generation that perished, how must you have felt when you sat around the family table? What regrets must have been in your heart over the way that you treated the Lord God that led to this punishment? So this was a time of testing as well, where the, the people were challenged to not just learn from the mistakes of their parents, but to think about and to reflect on the things that they did so that they didn't repeat those same mistakes in the future. But the desert itself, as an environment, was also not an easy place to live. We read that in verse 15. He led you through this vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. So remembering the past is not just about remembering events. It's about what we learn from those experiences. And you know, throughout life, in a 40-year period of life, we would face many different tests. And those are the things that reveal our true character and help us to build character. They reveal the attitudes of our hearts. And this was the purpose of this testing for these 40 years, that God wanted to know what was in the people's hearts, whether they would keep his commands. My friend, you might feel at this very moment in your life that you, as it were, are in a wilderness, a dark place, a difficult place, and that you've been there for a very long time. You know, sometimes God has to take us to those places because there are lessons that can only be learned in difficult times in the wilderness that can never be learned in the land of plenty in the promised land but please remember this that when you are going through those difficult times that God is with you he will never abandon you he will never believe you 
You see, when God tests his people, he always tests them for their good, never for their evil. So there are lessons that we can learn in the wilderness that we would never learn in the promised land. So God led them, and God tested his people. And Moses wants them also to remember how God humbled his people. Someone has defined humility as a quality by which a person considering his own defects has a humble opinion of himself and willingly submits himself to God and to others for God's sake. Someone has said it's a freedom from pride or arrogance. And humility is a quality that God loves to see in his people. And this was something that the people here in the desert had to learn. So God led them in order to humble them. Now in Exodus chapter 16, shortly after the Israelites had left Egypt, they began to grumble and complain because their food was running out, at least about a month after. And God humbled his people in the desert by causing them to hunger and then he supplied food to them in a miraculous way. In Exodus chapter 16, it literally says that he will rain bread from heaven, raining down bread. So they understood for themselves at that moment and throughout their times of traveling in the desert that their very life depended wholly on God, who could by his own power provide food for them to sustain their life. Now this bread was like nothing they had ever seen before. And when they actually saw it for the first time, they called it manna. Now in the Hebrew, manna literally means, what is it? You see, this was a gift from God. This was not a natural phenomenon. This was nothing that you would find anywhere else. This was from God. And you can imagine that the people must have looked up I went out in the morning and they saw this substance on the ground and they said, what is it? And that's why it's called manna. It was something miraculous. Now the people went out every day to gather food, bread in the morning and meat in the evening. Now think about that. They did this six days a week for nearly 40 years. So in the morning they went out on average over that period, about 12,500 times to get their bread. And they would have done the same in the evening to get their meat. Now, this was a really important action. This was something that was really important to remember. You see, the fact that they had to go out every day to get their food humbled the people in their hearts. You see, there was no room for any pride. There was no room for boasting or a sense of self-sufficiency. They were utterly compelled to rely on God for their daily food. There was no one else they could turn to. God was not their last resort. God was their only resort. You see, my friends, the problem is that people had in the desert was not about, in a sense, their environment or their circumstances. The problem was an internal problem. It was really a problem of the heart. 
Now, when the Bible speaks about the heart in this context, it's not talking about that physical organ that pumps blood around and keeps you alive. No, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the real you, the thing that's at the very center core of who you are. The heart is the thing that drives your life, and you are guided by its desires and intentions. And at the core of every human heart is pride. This is what caused the parents of this generation to die in the wilderness and not enter the promised land. The people of God who perished in the desert repeatedly disobeyed, complained, and failed to trust God. And at the very heart of unbelief is pride. Thomas Manton said that pride is the cause of all sin. You know, God, our Heavenly Father, hates a proud heart. He hates pride. In Proverbs, it says that the Lord detests all the proud of heart. And in James chapter 4, that God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So, my friend, the greatest danger that people faced in the wilderness was from their own proud hearts, because pride is the root of all sin. And pride is that attitude of heart that says, I don't need God, I know best. It is so deeply planted in our hearts, so deep that we can't even see it ourselves. We don't even recognize it. Jeremiah the prophet says this about the heart. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? It's so deep that sometimes we don't even recognize it ourselves. Uh, yesterday when I went to the, uh, the prayer meeting at Andy's house, I discovered this pride in my own heart in the space of 30 seconds as I was driving down Clayton Avenue. Some young ladies come with a car and I thought I had the right away. And I thought, and I said to myself, I actually said it. Oh, so you've got the right away then. I actually said it. And as I got to Selwood Road and was about to turn right into Andy's Road, some other car passed me and the guy gave me a look because I hadn't done the manoeuvre right. So he thought, and, I, and again, pride basically rose in my own heart. I said something, what are you looking at? I'm in the right. Do you know what? It's so deeply ingrained in our hearts. It's so deeply ingrained in my heart that sometimes we don't even recognize it. So pride is a real problem. And this is why humility is so important. And this is why God had to humble the people because it was pride that kept them out of the promised land. But you know, the, the, the feeding, the, uh, the next point is that Moses wanted to remember how God fed them. See, the providing of food for their bodies um, led to an even deeper truth, actually. It wasn't just about having bread to sustain them, to keep them alive. But it was to realize that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, the people's greatest need, actually, was not a physical one, it was a spiritual one. Look back to verse 1. Be careful 
that you follow every command that I am, that I am giving you today so that you may live. This is what it's all about. It's all about life. The people of God in the desert had to learn what life was really all about. It's not just about food and drink. The manna from heaven maintained their existence, but it didn't bring them life. Moses wanted his people to have life to the full, and this life can only be experienced in the relationship with the Lord their God as they followed and obeyed his commands. This was the point that Jesus made in the wilderness when he was tempted by the devil. Jesus actually quoted these words back to Satan. You remember Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days and he he was tempted to make the stones into bread. And Jesus, unlike the Israelites, trusted his father and fully obeyed his commands. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, the words of God, the commands and precepts that have been written down by Moses were to be the foundation of the people of Israel. It is by obeying these commands, by living in accordance to God's word, that we don't just have existence, but that we actually have life and life to the full. And this is reflected in uh, the previous chapter of Deuteronomy. Moses says these words, See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great? as to have their gods near them, the way the Lord our God is near us, whenever we pray to him. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? My Christian brother, my Christian sister this morning, are you feeding on the word of God? Is it for you as vital, as important as your physical food? Now, I actually really feel challenged by this because this might surprise you, but I never neglect to eat. Every day, I will eat food because I want to sustain my physical life. But at times, I do neglect to eat spiritual food. I do neglect to look into God's holy word. My friends, you're spiritual food, the word of God is more important than the physical. That is the thing that will bring you life and life to the full. It may be that you're here this morning and you as yet are not a Christian. You're thinking about these things, you don't really, you're not really sure if they're true. Can I just ask you one question? Do you know anything of a hunger for God in your own heart? Do you realize that you have been created in the image of God to have a relationship with him? Is the pride of your own heart keeping you from him? 
Remember that pride is the, is the root of all sin. And it's a danger to Christians, but it's a real danger to people who are as yet not in God's kingdom. Because it's pride, it's the pride of our own self that keeps us from God. That pride that says, I know best, I will do my own thing, I will run my own life. And another thing that we remember, uh, that Moses wanted them to remember, was that God disciplined them. He says, remember how God disciplined you in the desert. Now, nobody likes discipline, do they? Uh, We read in the Bible, um, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. Remember how he disciplined you, Moses wants him to remember. Moses wants the people to know that in their hearts that God is testing them as sons and daughters. The very fact that God disciplines them is a proof to them that they are his children. So we can actually take, even though it's painful for us at times, we can actually know that when God disciplines us, it is always for our own good. His purposes are always perfect. They're never malicious or vengeful. And this is a confirmation of the status that we have with him, that we are his people, that we are his children. So when God disciplines us, do not resent that, my friend. It's for our own good. So we've been told to remember how God led us, how God tested us, how God humbled us, how God fed us, and how God disciplined us. Moses then looks to the future in the promised land because, you see, there was also dangers in the promised land that were not present in the wilderness. I don't want to spend too much time on this. The people were shortly to enter a land which, in comparison to the desert, was the exact opposite. It had everything. This was a land that was bountiful for food and water. There was fruit, there was resources. It was a land where animals could graze and feed. In comparison to the wilderness, this was a virtual paradise. But this good land also presented new dangers. And it's a really obvious danger, as we've read this morning, is that very often when we receive the blessings that God wants to give us, that even those blessings, if we don't remember who God is, we can fall away and we can forget God. This was the danger that they faced when they went into the land of plenty, when they went into the promised land. That they might forget to praise God. They might forget to say thank you for the provisions that God had given them. That they might also continue to forget to observe his commands. And did you notice there, that they might also develop proud hearts. You see, the problem really is all about the heart. It's really not about where you are, whether they're in the desert or whether they're in the promised land. The circumstances might be different. The environment might be different. 
the situations they face might be different. But at the very core, the real problem is always one of the heart. So how are we going to address those dangers? How are we going to avoid falling into the same traps that the people fell into here in Deuteronomy? We do it by remembering what God has done for us in the past. I mean, this is why we come here, isn't it, every Sunday morning. This is why we go to the prayer meeting. This is why we meet with other Christians. This is why we read God's Word. It's all so that we remember what God has done for us. That is how we are going to avoid those dangers. And if you look at Deuter- if you look at the chapter there, I think there's a, a verse that helps us. To, there's something that we can do to avoid this danger. This is a little bit of homework for us. Verse 6. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. It's telling us to do three things there. We are to observe, and we are to walk in obedience, and we are to revere. If you think about those verse, that verse, and those three things, we are to observe. You know, when you observe something, it is more than just a casual glance. It's something that you pay attention to, you observe it, you want to see what it's all about. And in, and in one sense, when we look into God's Word, this is the attitude, this is how we're supposed to look at it. We are to observe it. We are to pay real attention to it. We are to find out what it really means, what it really says. Not just a glance, a deep look. And we are to walk in obedience. Gives us the picture here, doesn't it, of an active obedience. People are, I know there's lots of folk in the church here that do walking. Now when you go walking with somebody, you walk together, don't you? There's something about walking with someone. There's a closeness about it. There's an intimacy about it. And God wants us to walk with him every day. He wants us to walk and talk with him and to follow. And as we obey God in our daily lives, that is what we are doing. We are walking with God every day. And the attitude that should be in our hearts is of reverence to God. Let's remember who God is. He is our heavenly Father. So my friend, this morning the dangers are for us the dangers were for the people here was that their hearts were proud. May God help us to look truly into our hearts that we might humble ourselves under his mighty hand. We find no greater example of this do we than the Lord Jesus Christ himself where it says that he humbled himself even unto death, death on a cross. Humility is very often regarded as it not as a weakness but actually In God's eyes, it's a strength, and it is something that every Christian should have. And if we are ever going to come to God for the first time, we will be humbled in our hearts. Humility is the opposite of pride. 
My friend, if your heart is full of pride this morning, I pray that you might humble yourself under God's mighty hand because God says that he opposes the proud, but he exalts the humble. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you this morning. We recognize, Heavenly Father, that you, that you are a great and a mighty God. You are the God who led your people through the wilderness, who brought them into the promised land. And Father God, the problems that your people faced then are the same problems that we face today. That, Father God, we can sometimes forget you. We don't remember what you have done for us. I pray, Father God, that you would help us to always remember the mercies that you have shown to us, that you will always help us to remember our past, where we have come from, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So, Father God, I pray that you would give us a deeper desire to know you, that our hearts would be humble before you. And Father God, I pray for any here who as yet do not know you. I ask, Lord God, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would humble them, Father, that they might seek you, the only person that gives life and life to the full. Amen.